0: Excuse me. Our scripture reading is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? for we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, For so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time where the star had appeared. Then he sent them to the Bethlehem, saying, They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Let's pray. Bless, O Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, O Lord, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. This is Epiphany Sunday. It's the Sunday closest to January 6th in which we celebrate the end of the 12 days of Christmas. It is included within these days that the great scriptures of celebration of who Christ is and who Christ has come for us to be happen before Lent arrives. They are marvelous stories declaring that Jesus is the one we've all been waiting for the highlights of epiphany not only include our wise men this morning but they also include mary and joseph when they arrive in jerusalem in order to present their son to god in which they sacrifice a pair of doves or young pigeons it's this is my favorite story uh, of the whole birth narrative. Simeon has been waiting and waiting all of his life in the temple for the arrival of the Messiah, and boom, in walks Mary and Joseph and the baby, and it takes the baby, and you can just see him lifting Jesus in the air going, I can die now because I've seen the Messiah. Included is the celebration of Jesus' baptism when he rises from the water and we hear from heaven, Thou art my son in whom I'm well pleased. Included also is the transfiguration. When Peter, James, and John go to the mountain to pray with Jesus, he is transformed in light and a voice from heaven again says... This is my beloved son. Hear him. These are the big, glorious, this is the one you've been waiting for, text of our scripture. They're so marvelous and rich and grand and glorious, and they literally light up the early days of our faith journey. With Matthew, there is a great deal of drama, activity, danger, and intrigue with the arrival of the wise men. A star mentioned no fewer than four times has come to reveal the child. Wise men from the east, camels and extravagant gifts, make their way across the desert. Why? The child. The attempts of Herod to snooker the wise men, so threatened by the arrival of a new king. Why? Because the child scares them to death. In fact, Herod is so threatened that he will order the slaughter of all male children under the age of two. This story of the wise men points with clarity. This is the child we've waited for. This is the one and no amount of distance to see him, To find him, no attempt to divert or skullduggery of Herod would distract those who want to find the Lord. Why? Because their struggle to worship him mirrors our own. No one who has ever tried to keep Christ at the center of their lives will miss how difficult keeping the main thing the main thing can be. While the magi get most of the attention on this day, we all recognize that there's a darker character in the story a power-hungry, bloodthirsty guy named Herod. Fred Craddock points out in a sermon called The Hard Side of Epiphany that Herod shows up in the holiest of days reminding us that the good news has enemies. Craddock illustrates the drama of this moment in this way. Exit the stable, now the king's palace. Exit the shepherds, in with the wise men from the east. Exit the angels, in comes Herod. Exit Mary with silent night in old little town of Bethlehem and enters Rachel, mother of Israel. Exit the lullaby, enter the scream. I heard a voice and Ramah, Rachel, weeping for her children. Herod had called the doctors of law and scripture to inquire about this Messiah. He was faking, pretending he wanted to worship, all the while issuing death warrants against the boys. Imagine, if you would, for a moment, the house-to-house search. Swords knocking doors in, chariots on the streets running with horses pounding the cobblestone, mothers desperately clutching their children behind cellar doors trying to keep them quiet. Shh, don't even breathe, it's the soldier's. Read Matthew when you see Joseph bolt up in bed. Mary, Mary, we gotta get ready. Wrap up the child. We gotta go. And, and and we find out that he's been dreaming. And she goes, What's the matter? What's the matter? They're coming for our boy. Get ready, we've gotta go and off to Egypt in the midst of their enemies they go. What else were they to do? It's just plain hard to accept that the good news has enemies, and it does even today. Last Sunday morning, two men were killed with, by a gunman with open fire on West Freeway Church of Christ in White Settlement. A security team member killed the gunman, stating that he was in a position he did not want to be. But he had to react because evil exists. A man was charged this week with federal hate crimes. Grafton Thomas slashed five people on a Saturday in New York City. What we know is that 14 such attacks in New York have happened since December 8th. Not a month. After last weekend, I wrote Rabbi Lynette Herzog, who's the rabbi at Temple Beth Shalom in New Albany, and I said, Oh my gosh, what can we do? And I said, I'm coming to church. When's a good time for me to come to church? Because I'm coming to worship with you, and if you want to go, I'm going Friday night. You know what she said? Oh, how wonderful for the love and the support, but let me know when you're coming so I can tell our security. Make no mistake, the second chapter of Matthew is the adult version of the Christmas story. There's a reason we read Luke on Christmas Eve. It's hard to accept that the love of God, the good news, has such enemies. And it's even harder to accept that acknowledging the truth makes enemies It's harder still to accept that the moment the good news has us saying what we want to do is worship God, care for each other, care for God's creation, share the blessings, and not leave out the poor, the vulnerable, the neglected, the abused, and evil will raise its head just try to suggest that there's something more sacred than power and control, and we've got trouble. Why? Perhaps because it's the one thing that the Herods of the world seek more than anything else, which is to remain in power. Gone from these Herods and their courts is any notion the kind of servant leadership prescribed and required by Israel's prophets. Gone is the memory that God placed them in their positions to serve rather than to be served. Herod was a Jewish king, and he sought his own ends and immediately was threatened by the mere notion Of anything different than him. Power simply cannot stand competition nor ambiguity. We recognize this particular evil, but the challenge today just might be me recognizing my own. I think that's when it gets complicated. I can find it in you, but can I know it in me? Isn't that the truth? I don't know if I've gotten more mature or more cowardly or what, but I'm not always good at recognizing who Herod is. Even scripture identifies the struggle. Do you remember the night of the Garden of Gethsemane when two people come up, one with a kiss and one with a sword, and we go, who's a friend and who's a fro? And all of a sudden you realize that the friend is the one trying to save Jesus' life by cutting off the ear of the guard, and the other who's supposed to love him, betrays with a kiss. In the moment, it's just hard to tell. So complex is is our struggle. We don't always have a simple right or wrong, yes or no, if we did, we wouldn't be struggling with climate change, immigration, gun control. You just put the issue in the box. It's not hard to feel immobilized by the complexity, move to be wearing earplugs, to fat, flat out fight, or ignore it altogether. No wonder our prayers of confession say, Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed against thy divine majesty by what we have done. But if I'm honest, it's the next line that rattles my bones The line that says, and by what we have left, undone. Now it's time to breathe. Literally, take a deep breath. It's precisely into this world, into the middle of the chaos, the evil, and the violence that the Messiah is born. No Grinch, no Herod, nor terrorist, nor dictator, nor gang, nor drug lord, nor anyone else will keep Christmas from coming. It came. No war, no fear of war, no Herod of the world, nor anything else can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It cannot be taken from you. This is the heart of Matthew's darker, more adult version of Jesus' birth. The promise that it is precisely this crazy world that Christ came to. To us, this people, so mastered by fear that we often do the unthinkable to each other and to ourselves that God comes to this gaping need and brings hope. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, living, breathing, vulnerable, The promise that God chose to come live with and die for us as we are. Now, no amount of needing to get it right, hear me, no amount of needing to get it right precludes Jesus from coming. No amount of getting it wrong stops Jesus from coming. It is God who is in pursuit of us. And a star was set in that night sky to say, look for me. Just look. I'm here. And aren't we grateful? This past week, there was a video that went viral of two boys on a football field uh, kneeling in prayer. I got to have a tissue, please. I thought I stuck them in my pocket. These two boys, now it's not unusual to see athletes, maybe rarer today, but to see football players kneeling on the field. What was unusual is these two boys are in different jerseys. And they're praying because Ty Jordan and Gage Smith know each other from having played on a 7th on 7 squad. And the score of that game is the last thing on their minds because Ty's mother is struggling with cancer. They had to find Jesus. It's in light of this good news, my friends, perhaps that we can take a lesson from our faithful magi could we? Would we be willing to go through desert and danger and even lean into the commitment to find that child? Their faithfulness begs the question for each of us, whom or what are we following? Have we been willing to submit ourselves to the total lordship of Christ in our lives, or are our loyalties divided? The Magi give us such a powerful example. Understand, these men are pagans. They are heathen Gentiles, regardless of their wisdom and power. They have literally no connection with the Jewish people, their prophets, or their hopes, or their Messiah. And yet we find them looking through a new spirituality in which they understand the Spirit of God has spoken in a new way. They're searching diligently, not relying on either their experience or their expectations. And what a helpful example for this time of uncertainty. They both recognized that something was happening that deserved their deepest commitment and searching and their willingness to pay attention to the leading of the Spirit. Their search and their willingness to shift course were fateful responses to the leading of the Spirit in that day, and might we be that open the whole country seems a buzz about the breaking news on Friday of our beloved denomination first of all will a split happen it appears to be absolutely true and we will search for the child and we will worship Do we know what the split means for our annual conference? No, we really don't. It's yet to go before general conference and amendments and the like. We we don't have a clue yet. And we will still search for the child and we will worship. Do we know what it might mean for Stony Brook? I struggle with that for just a minute. And I I thought, part of me said, no, we don't have enough information to know what will happen with us as a family. And then the other part of me rose up and said, well, yes, we know. We do know that the denomination will shift, and we also know that right here, we will diligently search for the child and we will worship. And we will face the perils of the wind, the change and threats of war, with the same faithfulness of the Magi, keeping our eyes on the child and the leading of the Spirit. Christ comes in the middle, my friends, of our chaos, in the middle of evil, and fear, even our pain, and that's anyway. Thanks be to God. Let's honor the gift of the Emmanuel with us